Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, hello, this is Michael Vandervoort, and it is uh, Friday, uh, Friday morning on June 24th. We're headed towards July, the 4th of July weekend coming up pretty soon, and we're doing a bonus show this week. Robin, it's, uh, how you doing on Friday morning? I uh, I am doing fabulous. I'm uh, I love drive through HR so much that I am I'm calling in uh, doing the show on a day off. So I'm still in my pajamas <laughs> and unshowered as we're as we're doing the show because uh, my daughter's coming into town today. Th- so th- thank goodness we can't see you on a Zoom call. Oh oh wait. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, we can. No, so well, yeah, no, that's fine. We, I'm not very dressed up either. Today's casual day at the office, and I'm actually calling in for doing the show from the office this morning. So, but they don't care what we look like or how how we're dressed. Uh, our guest is the important piece. So, Savina Perez is our guest today. Savina, welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's it's a pleasure to be doing this on a Friday morning. Um, <laughs> doing it from, doing this from home. I, I might I might or might not have sweatpants on. So okay. we'll see. <laughs> Okay. So we're, we're, we're living in the, in the, we're living in our present moment in the way that people live and work. Uh, it, it's all good. Um, so, so Savina, we're, we're going to, we're going to talk today uh, a, a, about a couple of interesting things, but f- before we get started with the, the, the questions and the, the, the sort of the meat of the show, for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what you do, since you're, especially since you're a first time guest on drive through Absolutely. Uh, first time, but hopefully not the last. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. A little bit about me. Uh, so I'm Savina. I'm a co-founder and chief customer officer at Hone. Uh, and, uh, you know, just a quick overview of Hone. Uh, and Hone is an enterprise platform for live online learning. And we work with companies, enterprise companies like ServiceNow, Aramark, and Rover uh, to scale management, leadership, and diversity and inclusion training to their global teams. You know, our classes cover topics such as coaching, feedback, change management, unconscious bias, and microaggressions. Uh, and we've been doing this about five years. Uh, and it really is, I would say it's, you know, it was built out of my passion around being able to democratize access to opportunity within the workplace. Um, what else can I tell you about me? I am Brooklyn based. I have an incredible uh, nine-year-old at home and, and wonderful, uh, wonderful family. Um, but yeah, super thrilled to be here speaking with both of you. So excited to kind of get into it. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to talk about um, leadership and a little bit about diversity and I think focus in a bit on microaggressions, which is something that people talk about quite a bit, but, mm-hmm. and, and many people experience, but it, 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 I feel like something often misunderstood or, or not appreciated for the seriousness of, of what that involves. So um, that, that's going to be kind of the gist of our conversation. Um, but Robin, why don't you jump in and ask, uh, why, don't, why don't you take the next question? Yeah, yeah. So, but, and actually before we, we dive into, into that and kind of into the meat of mm-hmm. the conversation, um, it, it, tell us a little bit more about uh, Hone. Hone HQ is the website, I know that. Um, mm-hmm. And the work that you're doing there and kind of how you built, um, built that out and, and sort of what made you do the work that you do. 
Sounds great. I love when people ask me that question. Um, and as I, as I mentioned before, really as a, as a passion project, uh, you know, for me, it was uh, challenging as I was trying to navigate my own career journey from individual contributor to VP. Uh, and I wanted, you know, once I, once I had my daughter, I wanted to figure out ways for the next generation to make it a bit easier for them to be able to achieve uh, those incredible uh, kind of milestones uh, within their career without having to kind of uh, uh, claw their way to the top. Um, and if you think about it, you know, when do you need uh, kind of training and development the most? It's generally speaking at the beginning of your career, not at the latter part of your career, when most organizations are actually investing in like their executive teams in the top three, four percent of the company. So, um, you know, about five years ago, uh, I had met my co-founder. We decided to uh, to to join our efforts because we were both working on similar solutions, um, and uh, either we were going to compete or or be able to bring our collective uh, uh, experience together and and build home. And that's exactly what we did. We are a team of about seventy people, all completely remote, uh, and really, you know, as I mentioned before, Hone is a uh, enterprise platform for live online learning. Uh, and I think what sets us apart is the fact that all of our classes are delivered live but virtually and led by an expert facilitator. Uh, and the classes are highly interactive where learners will have the opportunity to dive deep on specific topics, as I had mentioned earlier, like coaching, feedback, change management, uh, and DEI topics. Uh, and we utilize breakout sessions and group discussion uh, for peer practice, but really trying to make an engaging experience for the learners uh, as they go through and, and they learn about these specific topics. Uh, and in addition to that, our platform really helps to uh, enable continuous development, uh, as well as reinforced reinforce what the learners are learning within the classroom post-class. Um, and uh, I will say that we were lucky enough to have uh, trained folks uh, in over 58 countries in several languages. Wow. And we're just getting started. So we are excited. Wow. Hopefully in the next couple of years, we were able to hit that next milestone of, of getting, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of folks, uh, you know, going through some type of training and development through home. You guys, um, this isn't on the, this is an off the script question, but I was, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile and I don't remember the exact timeline of it, but sometime in the last few months, you guys had like a pretty good seed money investment and stuff, right? You you were able to get, it, it seemed like it was millions is what I recall. Reading, <laughs> we did, we did, we did. We got, um, so we're, we're lucky enough to be uh, backed by some incredible investors uh you know cowboy ventures yes yes you know they really believe in the vision of being able to kind of amplify the work that we're doing and, and making sure that this this experience is available and accessible to uh every individual within the workplace that's that's craving it so sorry I, I was gonna say is it is it is going into something like that is it is it like shark tank which I actually don't watch, but, but is it, or is is it not is it not as uh, is it not quite as dramatic as hanging out with Mark Cuban and so forth? Oh my goodness! I, I almost am tempted to say that it's just as 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 cutthroat, um, but honestly, uh, no. When we're going through the experience, uh, you know, we are a venture backed organization. Uh, we you know we raised a, um, a seed in the Series A. Um, it's not as cutthroat uh, as that as as Shark Tank makes it makes it out to be, uh, <laughs> but at the same token, it's uh, you know you're trying to especially at the very beginning you're trying to convey this idea that could be like basically something that you write down on the back of a napkin, getting someone to get excited about that uh, in an effort to uh, to raise money so that you could actually build this thing. So um, it's it's not it's not as crazy as Shark Tank, but at the same token, it is. Uh, you know, it's certainly uh, an incredible learning experience. 
um, I'm not big on, on talking about myself. Also, and you have to do that. You know, when you're selling the company, you're also selling the <laughs> founders. Um, so it's something that you have to you have to get really comfortable uh, with very quickly. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's always fat. I mean, I'm not entrepreneurial at all, and so it's always fascinating to me about the people who undertake that and what it must be like. You know, it's sort of everybody always looks like, oh, what would it be like if I could do that? But anyway, um, going back somewhat back to the script um, in the in the in the introduction that we got when we when we first started talking about doing the show, um, you're a member of the Latinx community and also the LGBTQ community and. Obviously, it's Pride Month. Um, I was in New Orleans, as was Robin last week, but I was there on Saturday and was in the French Quarter and Pride was everywhere. Um, and then was uh, Pride here and it locally happened last weekend. So a lot of, you know, a lot of celebrations, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff, but also we're, we're living in a time, and this kind of brings us headed more towards microaggressions, I guess, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, you know, we're in this, we're in this political era where, you know, while, while Pride Month is huge and certainly symbolic, you know, we, we're also seeing a lot of um, issues related to politics where things aren't so great for the, that community. And mm. I just, uh, I, I thought it would be an interesting place to start talking about leadership and microaggression is like, do you have tips here in Pride Month for, for leaders to think about that community in the workplace? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's Pride Month. It's also uh, Juneteenth. Um, So there's a lot, a lot going on right now, a lot for leaders and organizations to think about. You know, we had an all hands uh, last week. Uh, We tend to do that on Fridays, get the entire company together. And the one thing that I said uh, to the team is, you know, even though it is uh, Pride Month and, uh, you know, it is Juneteenth, you know, it's not the only time that we should be reflecting. Um, it should be 365, mm. uh, you know, uh, 24 seven. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, for us, I think that, you know, as, as I kind of take a step back and think about ways that, uh, you know, we can um, continue to, uh, to have impact uh, with our, you know, with the folks within the organization and, and, and hopefully get them to understand how important, uh, you know, this time is. It really starts with communication and transparency. And I will say, you know, it's important to be able to create space for honest conversations and provide, you know, potentially some additional training and development opportunities uh, to employees around, uh, you know, feedback, how to give and how to receive feedback. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, uh, around obviously the DEI topics such as unconscious bias, microaggressions, which we'll go into deeper in just a minute, and also allyship. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How, how do we support? underrepresented groups within the workplace. Uh, and so just being able to create space, you know, within uh, the day of, of our employees, but in addition to that, um, being comfortable with having sometimes difficult conversations, but enabling uh, individuals within the workplace to have those types of conversations uh, constructively, uh, I think is, is an important step. Thank you. Huge, huge, uh, huge opportunity, huge challenge, sadly. Uh, Absolutely. Lots of work to do. And yeah, I think that I think that's well said. So thanks for opening us up that way. Robin. Yeah. And I yeah, I just I love the the point of um, it's not just, uh, you know, uh, one time a year or this month or this day or this uh, event is happening. So now we'll, we'll talk about this or celebrate a group or people or a movement or whatever in our companies, but it is, it's building that into your 
company in a fully formed way that is just part of who you are as opposed to uh, 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 hanging something up. Um, So microaggressions, which uh, as Michael alluded to um, is, um, you know, kind of, kind of the niche of what we want to talk about today. And and we've, um, you know, certainly all um, had the conversations we've heard about it, um, but it is still something that I, talking to fellow HR peers, colleagues, um, let alone folks outside of HR, people still struggle with understanding. Um, what does that mean? What does it look like? What, um, how, how do microaggressions play out? What are some examples of them? So um, what, are, what are microaggressions? Um, you know, what, what do they look like in an organization Absolutely. or in humanity? <laughs> across across everything, right? Across um, everything. Yeah. So uh, so when a microaggression is is really it's a, it's a casual insult uh, or slight, if you will, uh, that communicates a derogatory or negative message to to a person based solely on their marginalized identity. Uh, so it's it's really um, I would say it's a, it's another form of othering uh, or exclusion. So if you think about, it, I know a lot of people use this example of like mosquito bites, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, and I think, I think I actually don't think that's a strong enough uh, mm. example, but, you know, it's something that we'll go with right now, you know, and it's uh, an individual, you know, if they're constantly getting stung or, or bitten, um, eventually it just becomes too much, right? So it's just like these small things that start to add up and compound. Uh, and it, you know, could be something that, ha- you know, said casually. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, if I was to explain a microaggression, that's that's kind of the the the, the shortened mm-hmm. version of it, if you will. I was the thing with it. a mosquito bite is a mosquito bite will um, will sting for a moment and then seem to go away. I think a microaggression exactly. would be would be the mosquito bite that never quite goes away, and you don't have all of a sudden you have hundreds. Of that's exactly right it's it's something yeah. that stays with you that's why you know uh it's i say it's not a strong enough kind of metaphor for what this is it's something that really you know these microaggressions definitely imprint on an individual when you're experiencing this day in and day out i heard i i'm not going to get the numbers right because i heard this several years ago um a, a friend of ours um it, you know the extended world of hr that robin and i live in woman named sarah morgan presented Mm -hmm. at an HR Mm -hmm. conference I was at, and this is probably three or four years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. And she talked about microaggressions, which is not the first time I had heard of it, but it was very obvious to me that it was the first time that a number of the HR practitioners at this conference had entertained this concept. And I believe Mm -hmm. Sarah used numbers that were something like this. This is not a quote, but it's what I remember. She said that the average person, like say just a woman in the workplace, if you will, could receive as many as 60 to 70 microaggressive comments in a day. And then she gave some numbers and I can't relate the number, but, and, and her, her sort of her point was that each one of these things, and it, it jives with, you, with what you used with the analogy of the mosquito bite is that it happens, you know, you're stung, but then there's this sort of lasting effect where you have the irritation. And so she said, every time somebody experiences a microaggression, there's a like a recovery time, an emotional and mental recovery time where they're distracted from their work mm-hmm. and need, you know, they need a minute, even if it's literally just a minute. 
And she was trying to take the, you know, make the point that this type of behavior in the workplace is such a distraction that it can literally, you know, impact your productivity and the, the, you know, the big issues, right? Attention, productivity, I mean, I'm sorry, retention, productivity, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know? So I don't know if you, I don't know if you've done any kind of like statistical stuff on in that, in this way, Savina, do, do you have any information there or is that not in, in kind of the work you do? Um, so we, we do have uh, stats that, that we definitely can share. And I know that there's some that we will, we can and will share with the audience uh, once we, you know, we share the, um, you know, our, our website and things of that nature sure. that they can yep. go to and, and reference. Um, but I will say to your point, Michael, uh, with regards to these real life experiences, I know that in our classes, we do use these examples, uh, uh, like real life examples and interactive exercises uh, to be able to demonstrate uh, to the learners what, you know, what seems like benign small talk, let's say in the workplace uh, and how it can va- uh, veil really, you know, hidden messages um, that can be offensive uh, to, to, to folks within the organization. Uh, and an example of something like this would be when, a, let's say, a new coworker uh, mm-hmm. joins the organization, is introduced to the team, right? Uh, and a colleague asks, uh, you know, somewhat casually, uh, so where are you from? Well, it mm-hmm. seems pretty benign, you know, where, where are you from? Uh, and the new employee says, you know, um, I'm from Austin or I'm from Kansas City. And uh, the colleague uh, replies, right? No, but where are you really from? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a thing so simple, right? Uh, yeah. About, about in, you know, just so, uh, what you would figure would be just a, a simple, uh, the simple question, where are you from, uh, can trigger a feeling of exclusion uh, and otherness. Mm-hmm. And this is just like one example of what could happen mm. uh, within uh, the workplace, at, you know, minute to minute, mm-hmm. hour to hour. Uh, and so to that point, Michael, uh, you know, that stat that you, that you had given, it does not surprise me that an individual might uh, experience 60 uh, to 70, uh, you know, microaggressions a day uh, within the workplace and, or, you know, women within the workplace uh, specifically to mm-hmm. that example. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm happy that, you know, that this topic is being, is being spoken about. It, it's, you know, organizations are taking this seriously also with unconscious bias. Um, but it's important to realize also that it's not just a buzzword, right? You know, we yeah. need to really be able to continue to uh, to educate uh, individuals uh, with regards to what this is and how can we mitigate uh, this within uh, you know within the workplace. Yeah, one of the um, w- w- that I've heard you know for years that that friends have told me has been um, you know insulting to them as, 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 especially women, especially black women, but uh, it is um, very common microaggressions that sort of uh, come out around hair. And, um, you know, whether that in the workplace, right, of, oh, um, this is so very HR typical, right, Mm -hmm. of the number of policies that uh, pick an HR professional, and they've probably been confronted with write a dress code policy that speaks to professional hairstyles, mm-hmm. and just sort of what's embedded in that historically, what that means, um, or what it's taken to mean, and then how that how that flows down um, to the individuals who are applying for a job, or have a job, or work for a company, and 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 everything that flows out of that, and it's. Um, it, it, it seems like such a 
I don't know, such a benign topic. And, and so I think quite often white, white folks just don't stop and think about um, how to educate themselves on that and what's behind that. And we just had here, I'm in Louisiana. And so we have mm -hmm. just uh, passed our own, hooray, uh, Crown Act um, that the governor signed in into law. So that's that will be effective here shortly. And the um, online vitriol and um, horrid comments on various and assorted newspapers and Twitter and whatnot from people that um, that that don't get it um, and just see it as uh, and uh, as you know something unnecessary. And so it it does it just really gets back to sort of that education point. And so in in some of these comment threads about this this new Crown Act. Um, the folks affected by it really were in, you know, mm -hmm. again, educating people. It shouldn't be their role to have to educate over and over and over again to people that um, have their ears and brains and hearts and whatever closed. Um, but it's that's one that has always struck with me from things I learned from people years ago of that is, and that's so, it's a very common microaggression. It is, it is. And I think that for the person uh, that is experiencing the microaggression, there comes a time you just get tired of, of, of educating. You're like, why yeah. does it fall on me to be, yeah. to, to do this? Uh, when, you know, when I'm the one that this uh, act is being, uh, you know, perpetrated, uh, perpetrated against, if you will. So, um, and, and I, I, I said, I said that recently to somebody, I was just like, sometimes I'm just tired. I, sometimes I don't, I don't want to have to have the conversation right. or to have to, to, to correct somebody. Um, and I think that we need to also understand that uh, as individuals to have that, that empathy as we, as we, you know, as we interact with other people and understand that, you know, it's not just that one interaction that we're having with that person, but it's everything that they're experiencing up until that point. Yeah. yeah well, and they're underneath those comments that you guys just made. Um, is, and this is a rhetorical observation, I think it's not really a question for mm -hmm. you, because if you have the answer, we, you, you'll, you'll become a billionaire. And that is like, <laughs> you know, you, what you just said, it's not your job to educate all the time, right? It, 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 however, is it not the job of individuals, just, you know, human beings to try to have some empathy, <laughs> right? And there's exactly. such a lack of willingness in our society these days to have empathy. Um, it's almost like it, it, you know, people tend to go the other way in, in, in a lot of, a lot of times that confronted mm -hmm. with something they perceive as different, you called it othering, which is a great term perceived with something other, you know, it, it causes this, some sort of crazy reaction that I don't understand. And I'm sure I have my own and just don't perceive them, but I don't know what we do, do about that in society, but I do wonder besides education, or is there anything else that you guys you know, speak to leaders about or anything that you recommend in the workplace? Because at least there's some different ground rules there. People mm -hmm. have to perceive it, they have to behave in a, you know, a certain way, according to the rules of the company, right? There's more, at least, uh, better like boundaries, so. <laughs> yeah, some, some, some level, some better boundaries, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think it depends on the workplace, honestly. Um, but yeah, it yeah. does. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Um, so I was going to say real quick, you know, I think that, you know, um, uh, at home when 
one of the things that we, we believe in obviously is, is not just theory, but application. Uh, and so to your point, Michael, like what can we do within the workplace? Uh, and we do teach frameworks. And so one of the frameworks uh, that, that we teach around micro, microaggressions is part, the part framework. And uh, with that, we teach learners how to walk through an internal conversation where they need to pause, they need to assess, mm -hmm. they need to reflect, and then have an external conversation, meaning take action. Mm -hmm. So with pause that, you know, uh, learners are taught to collect their thoughts and assume good intent. One thing that I, I, I realize a lot is that people tend to react very quickly to things. Mm -hmm. like there's, yeah. there's, no, there's no time to be able to digest and just take a minute. Think about what you're going to say. And with assess, learners are taught to consider the impact of whatever action they take and check in you know, with, the, with the recipient uh, of the microaggression to understand that, what that impact is, mm -hmm. right? Because we need to learn, we need to, you know, again, to the point of empathy, how is this impacting somebody else? Uh, next, the learners taught to reflect on their next steps based on what they learned and what feedback they wanna deliver. How can they approach the feedback conversation, you know, without shaming the recipient and provide them with opportunities to grow? And then finally, uh, you know, folks are taught to take action and address the microaggression uh, with, uh, you know, a couple of key steps. And that's, of course, stating the observation, requesting clarification, naming the impact and finding a way to move forward together. Thanks. Um, I'm going to just do a quick reset, Robin, even though, so we have about yeah. eight minutes left. The reset should have happened seven minutes ago, but the conversation got away from us. Um, our guest, this is Michael and Robin on drive through and our guest today is Savina Perez from Hone, and we're talking mm -hmm. about microaggressions, as you probably gleaned if you're listening. Um, and uh, we're going to kind of go down through a couple more questions, and then we'll, we'll wrap up in about eight minutes. So, Robin, what's next? Yep. What, um, so my, my question is, what have you seen, um, or, or, you know, what are your thoughts around how the shift to much more remote hybrid work, um, you know, what's been the impact of that on sort of this um, ability to have some of these conversations with each other for leaders to lead? Um, what, what what's changed because more and more of us are remote or more remote than we were perhaps um so if it's okay robin i'm gonna i, I guess i'm gonna take take this with the lens of like what's the impact uh yeah. that we're that we're uh that we're seeing here um yeah. and i i you know honestly with kind of uh, with with, with uh, you know the move to remote work you know, I think that we're going to see uh, an amplification of bias within the workplace, specifically when the workplace has been decentralized, because there tends to be a lack of visibility. Yeah. Individuals, you know, uh, that, you know, could have been, you know, let's say in a meeting, everyone's together, et cetera, you're able to see the different faces, you could identify if you're not um, calling, you know, uh, calling someone out uh, or giving them uh, an opportunity to be able to speak and have that seat at the table. I think that, that by being remote, um, you know, those individuals uh, that are coming from underrepresented backgrounds, as leaders, we need to figure out ways to be able to recognize them. 
when you know when we don't necessarily see i mean see them you know there's there's there are tools like zoom etc where we do have an opportunity to be able to see each other's faces like we are now but um i think that there's there's challenges because of of, of this shift to remote work that there's a lack of visibility for those that are coming from underrepresented backgrounds and we need to be uh, just really conscious uh about ways to be able to continue that recognition yeah the um, it's interesting. I have seen um, you know just wandering around the, the internet. I have seen conversations in different places where pe some people are perceiving remote work, particularly where they no longer have to be in the office, right. as a way to escape some of this behavior that they may have been enduring in the workplace. Mm. At mm -hmm. um, you know, so it so it it may be a safety valve for some in some ways, which isn't necessarily a solution. I guess, I mean, I guess it is, but it's kind of like a Band-Aid solution, right? Um, I, was, I was thinking about Robin's question from a slightly different angle, and I don't know if you, if you have any insight here. Um, the, the other, one of the risks of remote is you're not front and center. If you're not front and center, you, you, know, you may not be perceived as the kind of team player that a certain manager, you know, it doesn't matter who they are. Certain managers mm -hmm. want people on site. They want to know they're there. They want to know what they're doing. So those are kind of that old guard leadership, you know, is, yeah. do, you, do you see this, like, even if remote work suits someone for a lifestyle, do you see this causing issues for them, sort of unintended consequences of adapting, you know, what might be a better work situation for them? Absolutely. I think that, that again, I think that actually talk, uh, speaks directly to the visibility component, right? Usually when you see a manager, like uh, you want to know that if, especially if you're, if you're coming from uh, being in the workplace, you know, uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five, you're used to seeing your teams uh, in, you know, there by a computer where, you know, wherever they might be uh, doing their work. Uh, and it's just by, the, by them just being present this assumption that work is getting done. I mm -hmm. think that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're saying that like with remote work, people are actually getting more done because they don't have uh, uh, the need to be able to commute to and from. Uh, they're able to hyper-focus. Uh, you know, there's no chit-chat by the water cooler type of thing, et cetera. But I think that because of that, people are burning out. There's, there's challenges around wellness and well-being uh, because people are kind of on 24 seven at this mm -hmm. point, there, ha there, there is no break from that. But I do think that um, to, you know, to, to just answer your question, Michael, I think that one of the, the bigger challenges that are going to be for those individuals, you know, that, uh, you know, if you're not in the workplace, the manager's not able to see you, maybe you're not as vocal, right? You're not like, okay, this is the work that I completed, et cetera. You're more comfortable being behind the scenes that can potentially impact because where you know where there's visibility there's accountability if there's a lack of visibility um then is the, the perception is is, per, is this person actually getting things done so yeah. i think yeah. you know as a workplace we have to figure out ways again to be able to recognize that mm -hmm. you know are there other opportunities do we get together do we have you know uh team meetings where everybody kind of walks through what they completed last week some highlights things of that nature what are they working on this week versus um, expecting individuals, all individuals within the workplace to uh, kind of shout from the rooftops, this is, this, is what I, this is what I accomplished. Some people are just not comfortable in that capacity. Yeah, right. Um, we got a few more minutes. I have one more question, Robin, and then I'll get out of your way. Um, so I worked for a bit at a company that was completely virtual. 
Mm-hmm. And we would have a Friday all hands meeting or whatever day of the week it was. And two of the things they did, I thought well, this was, and this was years ago, um, they would, they would, everybody gave an update about like what was the most important thing they did this week or whatever, you know, the biggest, whatever it was like biggest learning. And then everybody also had an opportunity to shout out a coworker and it, you know, it wasn't, shouldn't be the same person every week. So, yeah. and those were like it, it sometimes you know like you, you had to think about it right because they were going to call on you like who are you shouting out this week Mike you know it's like I don't know um, but anyway <laughs> some people are comfortable some are not I'm curious though from your perspective as a CEO and a, a virtual company owner of 70 what do you what do you do in your own meetings to, for that kind of stuff all righty um so uh so I will say um uh CCO so chief customer officer I, sorry. not the CEO <laughs> sorry mistitled uh, you no yeah. hey listen <laughs> promotion a yep. promotion automatically <laughs> love it um so uh the what, what you said around uh just being able to shout out um you know, uh, colleagues, uh, other 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 folks within the team. That's actually something we do during our all hands as well. But we call it appreciations. So mm-hmm. we start off every call that way. Mm-hmm. So you're able to be able, you're able to appreciate somebody, uh, and we we ask that employees try to tie it to the values of the organization, mm-hmm. like what you know, and it could be something that they worked on or collaborated on together. Sometimes they just had a great conversation with somebody, and the they want to shout out the camaraderie that they experienced. But being able to start that way, uh, it just it, it, it's a, it's a nice way not only to to end the week but start start that call, because you know you know to your point, Michael, that you're going to be called on, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like okay, <laughs> what am I going to say? I want to make sure that I'm able to uh, identify uh, folks uh, for uh, the contribution that they had either uh, to the organization or to me personally. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a, a great way to to start things off. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we do what we call honey highlights. So each individual, yes, yes. And, and that's become a real, like, I mean, everyone loves this. So, you know, sometimes it's hard because you don't get to know everybody within the organization, especially when you're working remote. Um, It's like, you kind of know a person's name and maybe what they do, but you know, you want to be able to have a deeper connection uh, in some way. So we do these Honey highlights where uh, we'll pick a couple of members of the team and they just go through kind of what, you know, what drives them, what inspires them. You know, what are they like outside of work? That answers what, yeah, that's awesome. That answers one of my unasked questions too. I saw the reference to honey, but I couldn't tell if it was honey or honey. And I was like, (laughs) surely I'll call people honey. (laughs) It's not spelled UI. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, Robin, we're just about out of time. You have any last Mm -hmm. questions? Uh, no, but I was just going to say honey, honey sounds like a NFL cheerleading squad or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, uh, no, I, you know, I think this has been a, a great um, conversation. I love diving into these, um, into these topics. Um, I guess sort of a, a final wrap up question, um, Savina would be what's, um, you know, if you could give a tip to uh, managers, um, top tip um, for getting more engaged with with their teams, um, what what would that be? So, uh, I love that question as well. Um, I think it's some, it's a simple answer. It's a very simple answer, but I I, I would say uh, just create space for conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we are busy. We, you know, as uh, a lot of us are remote or hybrid, 
you know, uh, remote, uh, hybrid um, experiences within the workplace. It's we're, we're kind of on call 24 seven, we're working all the time, et cetera. So just being able to uh, carve out time uh, for you to have conversations with your teams um, and, and, and offer them the opportunity to be able to, uh, to voice anything that they're experiencing, any challenges, uh, or even uh, you know, uh, things that are happening that, that, are, that are incredible uh, and they wanna share yeah. it with the team. So just being able to provide space for the conversations is, is really important. Um, simple tip. Awesome. Love really, it. really appreciate it. This has been a great conversation, Savina. I'm really glad that, that we were able to have you on as a guest. And uh, you. I think you, 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 you may have earned the opportunity to come back again someday. So uh, stay in <laughs> touch and uh, I will we'll look forward to having you on again sometime down the road. Um, as, as, a, as a way to close the show, we always ask the guests to tell people where they can find you or, or your company if they want to learn more about your services. So if you'll share that, then we'll go ahead and wrap up. Absolutely. So our website is honehq.com. It's H-O-N, like Nancy, E-H-Q.com. Uh, you can also follow us on our social uh, media channels, and that's uh, uh, at honehq. Um, but as always, you could also email me. Uh, my email address is savina at honehq.com. So if there's any uh, you know, questions that you might have or feedback, uh, I always love to, to be able to uh, have those conversations. So feel free to, to reach out uh, through that channel as well. Well, we appreciate it. So this is uh, Michael. Uh, savina, thanks for being a guest. We, uh, we uh, will... Uh, post the show uh, a little bit later today. And so you can then uh, people will be able to download it. You can share it as, as you deem appropriate. I hope you have a great weekend, Robin, the same to you. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording after you guys say goodbye. Thank you both for having me. Uh, this was an incredible conversation. I really appreciate it. Goodbye. Bye all. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.